here and ain't no wannabes here With some not so nice advice for your writing career To be clear, no punches will be pulled But the punch may be spiked How they like before they get on the mic To my left we got the mighty Mer Lafferty And if I piss her off, believe me, she'll come after me And her co-host Matt Evan Wallace On the right, yes she may be half as hype But she can take him in a fight So settle in folks, buckle in and boot up Time to meddle in a way to make your writer shut up It's hard work, but the perk is that it's fun and exciting Facebook will still be there when you're done writing Ditch Diggers! Ditch Diggers! This is Ditch Diggers, number Hello. eight. Uh, Matt is still missing, and so I have brought in my good and dear and patient friend, Alistair Stewart. <laughs> um, he will appear in that black box in a moment, but for now I'm going to let Alistair introduce himself while I try to find where his video is. Hello everyone, I'm Alistair Stewart. I am the co-owner, along with my partner and the love of my life, Margaret Kenner, uh, of Escape Artists Incorporated, which produces four genre fiction podcasts. Escape Pod, which is co-edited by Mur and S.B. Divya, who are up for not one, but two Hugos for their Woo! work over there. Woo! This year. Um, Podcastle, which is up for not zero, but one Hugo Woo! for their amazing work this year. Uh, which does fantasy, Escape Pod does sci-fi, Pseudopod, which is the show that I host, which does horror, and Cast of Wonders, which does YA. In addition to all of that, I'm also a Hugo finalist for Best Fan Writer and Best Fanzine, um, and Best Related Work, because I helped Whoa. out on uh, Conzino and Fringe last year. And most of my most of the time, you can find me online either at Pseudopod or every Friday at 5pm, the full list, my now Hugo-nominated pop Whoa. culture email newsletter full of things which are good. I just thrown up with finger guns. Not sure whether you can see me yet, but just in case, they're there. They can't. I don't know. What the fuck is happening? I'm very angry right now. Um, it's all good. By the way, do you need a background record for this on me? Because I'm doing one for you. That's fine. Maybe you can record your uh, your your video. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sure. It, it. I don't think it's necessary, but it should be okay. Um cool. Why? I had it. It was. I was testing it. It was fine. I just. I can't not have Al on the screen. That's wrong. But uh, anyway, we are coming not from the Ditch Diggers Manor, but unfortunately, we're coming from the wrong Applebee's. Not uh, which the is where, one. Which is where we got the video of the white woman crying, by the way, uh, because it is the wrong Applebee's that she's at. Um, I know it's not the polka dot Zavala one. Nope. But why is it the wrong Applebee's, Alistair? You, you're the one who, who realized where we were. Well, in my experience with American chain restaurants, there are two types. There's the type which just get you. Like the time I was in IHOP and one of my eardrums slightly burst and the guy was like, is it your eardrum? And as the entire building is hurtling sideways at a 45 degree angle. And I'm like, yeah. It's like, Give me a minute. Give it a minute. It'll calm down. And after a minute, it was like, oh, "Okay, thank you. Here, I have some pancakes. Here are some pancakes." That 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 is magical. But I, I also think that's at least partially because IHOP is, you know, a partially sentient being sent here to help us out. And then there is the kind of American chain diner where you, you go in and they're like, "Do you want coffee?" Yeah. Well, we don't have any. <laughs> I'll just take water. Mm. 
see if I can make some, which you also get far more commonly over here. But, you know, I don't want to get into national stereotypes. I don't want to point out that the reason why you people got to the moon before we did was because you have unlimited coffee in your Panera. And we just fundamentally didn't want to go because we thought it would be shit. Um, it's just, it's a thing. Well, to okay. be fair, it was. Um, I mean, it, it, it's like rocks and cold. And yeah. It's really hard to get there, as I understand it. I wasn't there. I wasn't alive. Yeah, that's true. Still, I mean, it is the moon. You know, there's that whole that's, kind of six. It is the moon. It is. Yeah. But it could be worse. It could be Applebee's. It could be the wrong Applebee's. The wrong Applebee's. Coming soon to Wallace and Gromit. The wrong Applebee's. Right, <laughs> you lad? They're out of red velvet cake. There's like five people listening to this who are going to laugh at that, and I salute all of you. Yay. All right, I am officially starting to be annoyed and panic. So, uh, Alistair, are you on Twitch right now? Uh, I'm not. Wonderful people in chat who are very patient right now. Um, okay. That would be great. I would. I Let got me on. Just step over. It's like it's like when I arrive early at the dentist and I don't get a parade. It's like why I I feel like I showed up early here, and uh, I I I was ready, and it still messed up. And I can't spell Skype right now because I'm too flustered. But it's, anyway. It's okay, dude. It's okay. It's all good. It's all good. I'm just sitting through this really embarrassing audible advert right now. Hold on. Difference is Jeffrey and Bezos. Oh, I can absolutely see the, the space which I should be in. Okay. Yes. Isn't that neat? Oh. And into the chat. Okay. Uh, can you say hi to the peoples? All the peoples who are very patient? Of course. I mean, they can hear you. You can just talk. Well, I, I don't understand what's happening. I, I did it fine with Cameron. And... Oh... By the way, I mean, for what it's worth, I actually really like the setup you got. This is very, very, Thank very you. Star Trek. I'm, when there's I'm actually it a lot. when there's actually somebody in there, um, we can. It's even better. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna put a picture of you there, and then I'm still gonna talk. We can do the show, but I'll still try to figure it out. But at least we can get on with the show, and they can see your face. Um, okay. I am. I'm, I'm getting that's... some repetition in audio, so I'm probably going to step out of Twitch. Oh, that's what I was telling you to mute. <coughs> but anyway, there's Alistair. All right. Anyway, I'm very sorry, folks. That's very frustrated. All right. So imagine Alistair. Imagine with him with finger guns. I'm going to keep trying to find wherever that. I'm going to blame Skype, actually. I think that's good. Good news, everyone. I found mute, so I'm going to have Twitch open, and I'll have the, 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 the chat ready to rock and roll. Hooray. Okay, so I want to say hi to those of you who are here 
excited to see Alistair and patient with me. So we got Ansela and Spicegribe. Hey, Spicegribe. Haven't seen you in a while. We got Sario, who got here on time. Um, Lee, throws like a girl 75. Welcome. Fire Rider under Pope. Nigello. Uh, Spicegribe says, truth comes out, Alistair is actually an endless void. Uh, I'm not sure anyone's really surprised by that in the end when it comes down to it. And under Pope mentions the void is English. Um, nah. <laughs> hey, Will, and uh, we got who is the crying lady? That That's my sad button. Oh, that's right. I'm, I turn her off. You can see me anyway. Um, and I have, wow, I've just completely fucked up this overlay, and it's like I'm panicking, which is not good but um but it's it's all good people can hear you people yes. can hear me yes we can hear each other see this is alistair's got... job actually his his job to to calm me down and tell me the sky isn't falling um, it isn't falling man. it's all good honestly okay so there's a discussion about the moon whether there's cheese there or not Oh, oh, sorry, I wants to tell you there's a third type of American uh, chain restaurants, which is the diner that you end up in but never intentionally go to. That sounds very um, Those are metaphysical. amazing, and you, pro and, and you probably can never find them again. Yeah, those are really good. Yeah, some, uh, the, <laughs> hey, Val, some, some diners manifest after midnight and serve the greatest food. Um, now would be a good time to admit my all-time favorite painting is Nighthawks. Okay. Um, which is, I forget the, the painter's name. I'm looking it up now so I can sound all cultured and shit. Edward Hopper, there we are. Um, which is a painting of a diner on a street corner, uh, which is all glass with just three or four people in it in the middle of the night. And there are <clears throat> so many remixes of this thing. And there's one with the TARDIS parked in the corner. There's one with like every Starfleet captain stopping in at the same time for a latte. And, you know, unless it's tea or great hot. And I just, I, I really like diner culture. I really like the thing which um, which actually happens much more in America than it does here, where you folks believe in breakfast, where what happens with us is we tend to run out into the world and grab some awful, like, pile of loosely associated protein on the way to the office. Whereas you folks are like, no, there's a diner over there. We're going to have waffles. Who wants waffles? I want waffles. And I respect that more than anything else about American culture. Also, I'm making what? my way through Parks and Rec Recreation for the first time ever. So, you know, bacon and waffles are very much at the top of my mind right now. Yeah, my, my software just stopped, look, stopped seeing Skype. I don't even think it's my fault. I think it's just Skype? What Skype? Um, I, I had no idea about this. I like how everyone would comment on the lack of a door in Nighthawks, but when they asked the artist, he said, oh, crap, I forgot to put a door in. That is the kind of artistic <laughs> integrity I respect. Because, yes, it was supposed to, it's supposed to represent the horror and isolation of late-night insomnia. Instead, just, oh, fuck. Yeah, the, the, the door's out back. You have to go behind the counter. Sorry. Yeah, that's me. I just turned myself off. Um, anyway, so... Let's see, we got Doofling, welcome to the stream. I didn't even know that my that, that link was broken, so it's great to have two broken things now. If you want to look at my books, um, Yay, you, can go, you can go to uh, merverse.com. 
Um, I will put that in the chat. And there you can see various things of that I create. And thank you for asking, and thank you for pointing out that the link is broken. I gotta fix that link. But we are coming to you live from the wrong Applebee's. The this, wrong Applebee's. As clumsy it is as it is, it's Ditch Diggers without Matt. Ditch Diggers is uh, the show that I do with Matt Wallace where we talk about the dirty underside of writing for a living because just like Ditch Diggers can't afford to get Ditch Digger block, writers, working writers can't afford to get writer's block. And with me today, I have one of my best friends in the world and the, the rock that I hang on to when the wind of my professional panic is getting too strong, Alistair oh, Stewart. Yeah. Hello, and how are you? I'm so glad you're here, and I'm so sad they can't see you, because you've got an awesome shirt on. Um, it's all right. I'll, I'll, I'll actually see if I can dig out my I Am Not Matt Wallace one for the next time I'm on. Oh, excellent. So, uh, Matt Wallace sends us a message to let us know he's not dead and still very much a part of the community we have here, and he says... Um, Oh, he didn't send a postcard this time. He sent a very large serrated fang-like tooth with a bloody post-it note attached to it that says, Making new friends out here in the wild. Love, M. <laughs> so Matt's doing okay. Um, he has a dog now. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm just checking on the... Yes, Firewriter, thank you for pointing it out. I, I had not realized that Crying White Lady was still there. Um, and for what it's worth, the audio is nice and clear. So, uh, let's see. I don't know if we say hi to Southpaw. We got Catwood. Um, Frig's daughter. Lovely to see you all. I'm very glad you're here and very uh, polite. Polite, patient. Whatever the words are. I'm a little out of it today. Um, it's all right. You had a lot on. Yeah. Um, we got we got into the bacon and waffles discussion. And sorry, I think we drove Sario to go need lunch. Because Sario left for lunch. Probably going to have bacon and waffles, I'm guessing. Um, oh, Lee says, why we can't see you is because you're at the other wrong Applebee's. There you go. See? Freaking Applebee's. <laughs> Yes. They know what they did. They do know what they did. So, um, when we talked about you coming on and helping, um, we were... It, it could just be one of our normal talks of, of how difficult all of this is because um, you know, it scares me to think about <clears throat> all the plates that you spin. Like, all the freelance writing you do in addition to managing the four cats that are the Escape Artist podcast. And we're all, like, different breeds and have different length of hair and go off in different directions. <laughs> and I think some of us are nocturnal and some of us aren't. And some of us are just a person in a cat suit. I'm not going to say who. No, we all know. We okay. All know. Just like Applebee's knows. Yeah. Um, the, the, thank you. The, the, the place of anything is really weird. And it's actually a really good time to be talking about this. Because uh, I am... I, I have just come off... I'm in the process of coming off a month of being hilariously ill. Uh, I, it wasn't ago, hilarious. I, I What's shop. wrong with you? It wasn't um, hilarious. Hilarious, horribly traumatizing. One of the two. Yeah, um, I was like really worried over here. Oh, 
Uh, about a month ago, I popped out to the shop and I came back and I felt a little bit cold. And then it was a week later. And um, just some weird flu variant just took me out of the knees and basically knelt on my chest for a week. <coughs> it's, <coughs> it's, it's taken about three weeks to shake the vast majority of the after effects off. I've still got some swelling in one of my legs. I've still got a cough, as you can hear. And this is actually corresponding quite neatly with a couple of deadlines coalescing, which has meant that um, I'm at a point now where I'm like, these plates that I'm spinning, I might not be too fond of a couple of them. Perhaps if they were to drop and I got some more sleep, that would not necessarily be bad. So what I found myself doing more and more is trying to prioritize my own self-care a little bit. Uh, and by a little bit, I mean at all, because one of the things no one tells you about writers, and especially one of the things no one tells you about freelancers, is we simultaneously assume that we're invincible and also that we are an infinite resource and we're not. Burnout is a real thing. Everyone on this call has probably experienced it. I know I have. I know you have. Yeah. Um, and this week, in fact, I've just started with moving my days around. So the first half of my day is all about me. So I'll do some exercise. Today I went for the longest walk I've gone for in a month. Wow. Uh, I'll attend to email. I'll do some yoga. I'll make sure that my diet's sorted out. All this kind of stuff. And then the afternoon is work. And I'm a day in, so I can't say, well, obviously, this has gone extremely well. But it's going all right so far. And right. it's, it's nice to be able to feel like I'm allowed to look after myself. Yeah. Uh, and I, I feel like an awful lot of people in our industry don't feel we are. Yeah. It's a... Uh... Yeah, we, we always say that you don't have the luxury of a writer's block because you are a working writer, but it's we also don't have the luxury of illness. And a lot of people don't, especially in this country, but more of if you want to not be sick and want to be able to not get writer's block, then you do need to do self-care, and that's extremely important. And I don't think we talk about that enough, especially here. Um, so I'm glad you're bringing it up, and I'm so glad you're doing better. Um, Thanks, buddy. But it's... Uh, so how, what did... I, I know you're not going to going into any details, but what did you do to uh, handle the ones you decided not to keep going with? Was it, Did you quit in the middle of a project, or did you just finish the project and say no more, or how did you approach that? Really, there were two things. One fell just before the illness, and one fell right after it. And the one that fell just before it was really interesting, because it reminded me of nothing more than, I think, your very first episode with Tobias Bacall, mm -hmm. and, and Toby's thing of, Toby, we'd like you to come do a thing. Great, it costs this much. We can't yeah. afford that. Well, I'm not going to do it. Um, I was asked to come back to a licensed RPG property that I've worked for uh, a lot across the last 10 years. And the actual work has been great. The interaction with the mechanics and politics behind it often has not. This is, I, I won't name names, but this is the game which paid me the, in a different decade to the one where my original work with them was printed. Ooh. which uh, is just a start. Um, <clears throat> but the the original project runner came back, and he's a very good friend. And he said, look, we're doing a new edition. 
I'd love to have you aboard. And I was like, absolutely. I am brimming with ideas. But here's the thing. My last couple of years in licensed RPGs were deeply unpleasant. Um, I'll, I'll just, without going ranty, as a matter of fact, the one which really jumped out was uh, there was a game which was running a Kickstarter to finance paying its writers. Of course, had its writers write the material first. Uh-huh. The, the Kickstarter was set to launch. The company forgot what money they had and actually went bankrupt. Uh, so they then went through the German insolvency court, and apparently there is about 200 euros coming my way somewhere in the German insolvency system. It's been there two years, it's trundling along. Um, and the license was then bought by another company who initially promised they would bring everybody aboard, asked for all the, the information that came across. According to the initial project manager, everything was sent. According to the head of that other company, who I happen to know quite well, because the UK role-playing scene is eight and a half people wide, and one of them is me. Um, they were never sent everything fully. It's now been a year since they've acquired the license. Nothing's been done with it. Nothing's been, nothing's carried on. And this is one of like three things which happened in really quick succession, which meant something like three thousand pounds worth of work, which I'd been hired to do, I wasn't paid for. So when this thing came around, quite reasonably, I went great. Here's my last two years in the industry. You'll understand completely if I say I need eight cents a word and I need half of ever, of anything which you're going to pay me up front as a gesture of good faith because I trust this industry as far as I could spit it right now. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and my dude quite reasonably went, I'm on five cents a word. I can't spin you eight cents a word. And I was like, then I don't think I can work for you. And he was like, okay, no hard, no hard feelings, good luck. And it kind of bounced along for about three months. And once every six weeks, I would wake up in a cold sweat and go, oh, God, oh, God, I never formally said I had I turned that down. Perhaps I shouldn't. And every time I did, my partner, who is amazing, would respond with, yes, you did. It's fine. Don't undersell yourself. So that door is closed. It's not slammed and locked, but it is closed. And I feel much better nowadays. The other project uh, I actually tied off yesterday. I do, I try really hard to do as little for free as possible, which sounds capitalist and awful, doesn't it? But there no, are a the, couple you, of sites. You know what show you're on, right? Uh, when we yeah. get paid, we eat. So yes, this exactly. is a capitalist show. It's not focused on art. We want to do the work and get paid for the work and eat. The food that was bought with the work. And, you know, I, I enjoy the foods, mm-hmm. all of the foods. Yeah. Um, there's a, a site which I, I, I do a lot of free TV work for, and I, I do it for two reasons. Firstly, because they're lovely people, and secondly, because they hook me up with the shows, and periodically I'll get to do fun stuff. I've, I've got to do a couple of Royal Albert Hall concerts for them. And I've had a big project come in, and it's it's exactly the kind of thing I love. It's a long-form, crit- basically a really long critical essay, and the company involved want the first draft in about six weeks. This means that I have to move a lot of stuff around. And as I'm moving a lot of stuff around on deck anyway in the moment, it was a good chance to look at the free stuff. And basically what I've done is consolidated the work I do with them down. So there are a couple of things I was was going to do, which I've now said, you need to pass these to someone else. And the show which I've been covering regularly, I'm now going to be covering in digests rather than episode by episode. So, And also it's a finite season. It's only like six episodes long. So basically what I've done is minimize the amount of work I have to do, but hopefully maintain the professional relationship there. And 
that has freed up already a remarkable amount of brain space, which uh, I hope I can deploy in other places. Excellent. I'm really glad you're taking care of yourself. Thank you. Me too. Alistair, I'm also delighted that you're going to be back on the show because hopefully by then I will have figured out what's going on, but my software really will not see Skype. It's like I choose Skype and it shows a black screen, so I don't know so what good. we did. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so I apologize, everybody. Alistair should be on camera. I can see him. He looks great, so you just got to believe me. Um, so you, you wanted to talk... Oh, yeah, Underpoke, we got a fantastic ditch for you to dig. We can't afford to pay you, but you'll get great exposure. Yeah, there exactly. was a... Uh, Think I of did... the free workout. <laughs> yeah, somebody asked me why I moved away from RPG writing, and I'm like, the last job I took was written, was like connected to one of the bigwigs in role-playing history. A very, very big person. And I worked very hard on that. And then when the money didn't come in, I contacted my contact there. And he's like, oh, yeah, we can't pay you because we haven't made enough money. Uh, and I'm like, that's that not my fucking problem. If you make $2, I still get paid. That's what work for hire means. This isn't like a, a group effort where when when they get paid, they just share it with all of us. No, you got to cover those costs up front. What is wrong with you? And a lot of people go by this mentality. It's like they'll pay for the paper. They'll pay for their offices. They'll pay for the yeah. bar tab at Origins and Gen Con. Well, they pay writers? Well, when they make enough money. When, when the project is profitable, then they'll, make the, then they'll pay the writers. And I, I was done because... Something like that had happened to me several times. There was me not having the... It was partly me not having the courage to ask for a raise. And then hearing somebody who'd done fewer books than I had got like a two-cent raise, which, it, it breaks my heart to say, was pretty good. And then I said, wait a minute, I'll ask for a raise, and I got a half-cent raise. So, uh. um, it's just like... I, I think a problem with the games industry, and this is all over the board, both um, in computer and RPGs, is that people, it, it sound, it's a dream job for people. People want, it's like, I make games for a living? How fucking awesome does that sound? And then the companies exploit that. They know how yes. badly you want to work there, and they know how easy it will be to replace you with the next hungry person who wants to work on games. And so they treat you like shit. And they don't pay you. And it's... it's I was just done. I, I couldn't yeah. deal with it anymore. And... Um, uh, I, yeah. I actually have a really hopeful coda to all of this. Just so we, we, we don't kind of default to... Rah! Straight away. <laughs> Far and away, the most positive RPG experience I've ever had is working with an indie publisher called Jason Peter, on, uh, who runs Genesis of Legend. And about four years ago, Jason contacted me and went, you're good with horror. Do you like spaceships? And that's basically the best possible opening conversational gambit you can throw at Pretty me. much. Um, and we got talking, and we started designing a game. 
and uh, it was released two years ago. It's called After the War, and it is a game of mimetic horror and post-apocalyptic community building, which is basically, it basically starts on Starfleet, the day after Starfleet's worst day. A catastrophic first contact with a piece of sentient alien music has essentially flattened galactic civilization, and you are a group of survivors on one of the primary worlds. Now what? And it was and remains so much fun to write and so much fun to put together. And Jason, who is a one-man band, went out of his way to treat me as fairly as possible and paid me well and paid me frequently and paid me on time. And while the game has largely become something which he's he's the custodian of as a publisher, he reached out to me a couple of weeks ago, apropos entirely of nothing, and basically went can I pay you to write 10,000 words of After the War Source material this year? And I was like, you can, yes. Thank you so much. So while the upper echelons of the industry are exactly what you think they are, a lot of indie folks that I've encountered will go out of their way to, to either back you up or help you out. And that's really nice to see. Okay. I'm trying to get some uh, the community to help me out here so we can keep talking and I don't just look at my keyboard the whole time. I'm trying to find a, a link to After the War for you to put in the chat. For you? I think you can, yeah. But I, I was going to have us talk. Um, oh, mm, you know. Okay, you're back now. It's on Steam. I thought it was a tabletop RPG. Is it? It is a tabletop RPG. If it's, if it's on Steam, and I'm, I'm excited to see it. Here we go. Um, so, yeah, another thing you wanted to talk about is... Um, great, thank you, Alistair. Um, you are... I'll, I'll, I'll let you describe in detail, because you know the ins and outs of your own professional life better than I do, um, but uh, you have been doing a great deal of... <coughs> game writing and freelance writing to the point where, yes, you're getting uh, recognized with major award nominations for your uh, reviewing and uh, reporting of what's going on in science fiction. But um, you also are trying to um, get a fiction career launched. Yes. 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 And so you wanted so... to talk about your uh, experiences in that for people who, uh, well, are interested in that and might have, might be similar to you in that they have one kind of job or professor, yeah. profession, but, you know, no harm in branching out. This, the, the thing which I find really weird is I, I mean, I've, I've been doing this in various forms for, for close to 15 years. Um, and I've freelanced for newspapers and magazines and RPG companies and, Briefly, because I put my hand up at the wrong time, as an audio engineer for a magazine, all this kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, I have nonfiction books out, I have tabletop RPG books out. And yet, my profile, my perception of it, seems donut shaped. It seems like there is a hole in the middle. And that hole seems to be that I don't have a novel or I don't have a fiction career. And my partner does have my partner has this theory that when I sell a novel, people will suddenly go, "Oh, this is really holy shit! Why, how do you do all these things?" And it will suddenly throw everything else into really sharp relief. 
Now, the situation which I'm in is a really interesting one because I have a novel. It's, it's, it's in third revisions. It's quite good. It's, uh, I think, with, uh, with a couple of months, which I won't have for a couple of months, revisions, uh, it could absolutely go out to agents before Worldcon this year. But I'm starting to wonder whether busting my ass to get that done is the best use of my time and whether instead it's almost worth making agent approaches with details of the full span of all the stuff I do. And also, and I have this novel, which is in revisions at the moment. I think what it comes down to is I'm not quite sure what foot to lead with. Yeah. And I would value your input on that. Well, it's, you you are uh, a little bit of a unicorn in that you are not like most people who would who would go to an agent with a not quite final draft of a book, which we never recommend because one of the one of the things the agent needs to know is whether you can finish a book. But the um, but because you have the career you do, and you can prove that you finish, I mean. It's not straight fiction, but you've written a ton of fiction with the RPG stuff that you've done. That you know, a big part of that's writing fiction. Um, and I don't know. It's I, I guess it depends on. There's always the my diamond shoes are too tight problem where the agent could go, "Oh my god, this is awesome! Send the rest to me, and we'll get it out next week." And that kind of thing's not likely, but you know, because you are you're an excellent writer and you're you've got an excellent career going, and you know people know your name now. It, somebody might want to go out quickly with it. So, what would you do if that happened? Uh, other than breathing in out of a paper bag for several minutes, well, I'm yes. not entirely sure. Yeah, so it's the the. I don't know. Do you? Uh, I, I always recommend people like contact, make make friendly noises with with agents and editors on social media as a form of networking. And I hate net, the word networking because it always feels slimy. And we can get to that in a little bit, a slimy thing. But mm -hmm. um, more that, uh, you know, getting to know people in the industry which you want to work in, in which you want to work. Excuse me, um, is a good thing to do and so do you do you have like personal connections to the agents you're thinking of considering in one and a half cases yes okay um, um <clears throat> but i mean you are a professional so i think going up and saying you know hello i am Four time this year, not Hugo nominee Alistair Stewart, and here's my book. Let me know if you're interested. You probably don't even need to say all the backstory. You could say That's... it's like here's here's the current draft. I'm working on a revision right now. You might want to say that. I don't know, but um, but yeah, I think you could uh, you could lead with that. Just you're fucking awesome, and they would be lucky to have you. Only don't say it like that. But that's Thank what you're you. saying. And, and yeah, just aim, aim, aim rather, as you say, aim rather more for the, the, the kind of, I, you know, here's my stuff. It's good. You should look at it. And not the, check me out, Mother Jeffers. <laughs> it's an, I mean, it's an unusual one because I, I, have, a, I have a complex personal history with, with fiction, which is very dull. 
but which basically boils down to I was a member of a writers group um, when in my younger days, <laughs> which uh, had several people pulled pulled out of it onto long term contracts, and someone pulled out of it onto a long term editorial contract with publishers. And I promise you, every single person in the chat has books on the shelf by, mm -hmm. and I was also frequently in the room. Uh, and it's, I mean, this is one of those areas where Matt and I have an awful lot of crossover. You know, Matt, I know, has talked in the past about how there was very little that was more depressing during his time in professional wrestling than watching, you know, WCW and WWE pick up people to the left and right of him, and he's still there. Yeah. And that, I have had that. I've had the, I've had the, the, the fictional equivalent of that. Um, it did have that. 10 years ago, and then I went off and got very, very good at nonfiction because I had no idea why I was writing fiction any longer. And then I got over myself, and now here I am again. So it will be interesting to see how this goes. But I think you're right. I think the hi, I'm a four time Hugo nominee this year. I have a book. Here's my other stuff. I'd love to chat to you, is probably the best possible approach. You know, I just remembered, um, this isn't exactly the same thing, but I do know that if somebody's focused on short story writing and they win a major award, agents approach them and say, do you have a book? Do you want to write a book? I will help you write a book. I'm not saying it's exactly the same, but you might have enough credi credibility is the wrong word <coughs> here, but you know what I mean. You, you might have enough, uh, enough awesomeness to be able to say, you know, here's where I am in my career now. So, you know, if you want to help me get to the next level, it's it could be pretty cool. I think I think you're absolutely right. I also want to pull out something that the kids are asleep. Clout, um, thank you, seat. Clout. Uh, has, has just has just said in the chat. It's hard to keep your eyes in your own paper sometimes. There are very few things which are more important to learn, as a, I would argue, a creative of any stripe, than that. Um. This is one of those points where I, I wish I was slightly better with these programs than, than I am, because the moment from Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, where Holden just dismantles Jay and Bob's relationship, culminating him in looking at Bob and yelling, and all the, all the time, this sorry motherfucker's eyes are going, when, Lord, when's going to be my time? <laughs> so much of this job, if you let it, will just be you going, when is it my turn? And the longer you wait for it to be your turn, the less likely it is to be your turn. Yeah. And it sucks, because basic human nature is every now and again, you'll look up and go, how the fuck did they get that? I'm swearing a lot, by the way, because I assume... It's that with Matt not, And also I assume that with Matt not here, there's some kind of quota we have to hit. So, you know, and also the, the English accent, I, I figure it's going to help. Mm -hmm. So... <clears throat> there's more clout there, too. Exactly get into that whole thing about which is the more venomous pronunciation of, of bastard bastard or bastard I think it's bastard but you know that's because I'm from here anyway do, 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 do we in the south get a call, get a say in it of course you do now, now I'd have to do it Spe speaking with a southern accent often requires me to relax some sort of unknown muscle back in the throat it helps if I'm angry or drunk but um, bastard, uh, I, I, how's that? I, I, I actually have a, have a really nice kind of corollary example for that from over here. I, I have a friend who the whole time I knew her, I was convinced she was from Bristol because she has that unique kind of Bristolian accent where it's 
slightly rounded, but at the same time, her pronunciation is very, very precise. <clears throat> and the reason for I, I was convinced she was from Bristol is because I had never heard her get drunk. Oh. <laughs> Elaine is, in fact, from Glasgow and had trained herself to not have the accent for years. And literally two weeks before I left York forever, we were in a party together. She tied one on and Jerry went, hey, Elaine, no, Elaine, no, Elaine, do the thing. And my friend of mine just needled her until finally, and I swear, I'm not making this up. She went, oh, you bastard. And so it was like a switch being flicked in her head. She couldn't not speak with a Scots accent. Wow. Did I, did I ever tell you about the, uh, the exchange student from Belfast I met and when I was in college. No, but I'm sure this is going to be fantastic. Yeah, it was. Um, so we, I worked at the coffee shop next to campus and we were uh, we closed at midnight and there was a bar right next door. So commonly we'd close the coffee shop and then go right next door for a drink. And uh, one of my coworkers, his friend from Belfast was going to be there. We got there. He was already very drunk and the he would start talking and the only words i could understand were fuck belfast and david hasselhoff <laughs> and everything else was just <coughs> i thought we were speaking the same language but clearly we're not i mean it just he loved david hasselhoff and fuck was was basically basically punctuation for him and he was from Belfast and wanted, wanted us to know that too. But David Hasselhoff, uh, man. I, I saw this beautiful theory on Twitter earlier today. Someone's best friend's um, thesis was on the interaction between Irish culture and English language. And the theory they put forward was, was the idea that Irish people use fucking as this baseline expression of, of baseline linguistic resentment at having to speak English. Ah. Instead of um or ah, you just use fuck. And it's, it's simultaneously like, God damn it! And also just a little bit of resentment. Uh, I should also tell you that the best Irish story I've ever encountered. I was in country a few years ago. I was going out to see a friend of mine uh, who lived in Tullamore, which is just outside Dublin. And the Irish train system is from the 1950s. It is all teak. Uh, there was a mail compartment with sacks of mail in it. Uh, and elaborate wooden seats. And there was a very nice lady who was fast asleep as we pulled out of Dublin, head on her hands. And about half an hour in, she sits bolt upright, looks around and goes, where the fuck are we? <laughs> oh, without missing a beat, the lady next to her goes, we're about half an hour, so I tell them all love. Thank fuck for that. Falls back asleep. That's beautiful. Yes. I love it when strangers just get each other, you know? <clears throat> it's It's so good. But yeah, uh, accents, they're weird, dude. Yeah, they are. Um, so I, so you're going to be wading into the, well, not new waters, because you've, you've like done the fiction thing before, but back into it soon. Mm -hmm. um, I've got something that, that I've been having a problem with that I, um, it's that, that I want to ask you about. And that's, okay. I've been, um, you know that I've been trying to re-rebranding. See, this is it. I, I say the word rebranding and I already hate myself. You're already I, I'm trying to 
I, I've been doing this podcast thing since the beginning. And when I started, it was like the pioneer thing, the scrappy kids doing the work and iTunes didn't even support us. And uh, there weren't the only good mics you could get. You had to get a mixer to plug the mic into. And we walked uphill in the snow both ways. And five hours a day. Exactly. And um, so, like, Scrappy was our, was everybody's middle name. Scott Scrappy Sigler and Mer Scrappy Lafferty. And, you know, we were all Scrappy. And then fast forward from 2004 to today, and there's a lot of, when, prof- sorry? When podcasts were invented. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Did you know that people are starting to put fiction out on podcasts, Al? Did you know that? Yeah. On the online, it'll never catch on. Yeah. So uh, anyway, it's it's the fact that that I'm listening to people's podcasts about a variety of things, but if if any of it's nonfiction, um, you know, I listen to some productivity stuff and some marketing stuff, and they're all using language that it sounds kind of okay coming from them, but I would feel like I was like wallowing, like crawling after a slug trying to slide along (laughs) in the slime it left for me if I tried to use the same words. But then again, however many, what are we talking about? 17 years doing this? 16 and a half years doing this? And I can't be scrappy anymore. I've got to evolve, but I don't know how to evolve if I'm just like feeling like a slug every time I, I do the, oh, I, I mean, I feel bad enough reminding people about the Patreon, but it's like, you know, you watch, you, you listen to these podcasts and it's all, oh, be sure to go to Apple iTunes and give us a five or Apple podcast now and give us a five star rating if you like it. And I don't like doing that, but I feel like it's something I have to, if I want to level up in this. I'm a single person, not like relationship-wise, but this is me. I've got Matt yeah. to do co-hosting on this show. My other show, it's just me. I just now got someone to help me with the product, uh, the the production. But it's like I'm making all the decisions. I'm doing all the content, and I'm making the website that it goes on. And I'm just wondering if I'm. I stayed scrappy while everybody else evolved into something more professional. I I think there's <clears throat> I think there's, there's a bunch of really valid concerns there, not the least of which is the hello thing, which I think we all struggle with. I don't think you've stayed scrappy while everyone else has evolved. I think you are one of the most resilient and versatile creators of any stripe I've ever encountered. And I think you have reinvented yourself several times more than you think you have. As to the whole corporate side of things, I would flip that around and go, what are these people trying to achieve by using this type of language and engagement? Let's maybe focus on language first. Um, What, you know, I take it, you're talking about the whole kind of, don't forget to like, share and subscribe kind of stuff what's their end game with that? Is it to grow audiences? Is it to grow revenue? What? I think they equate the two, especially with ad dollars. They are equated. And flipping that around again, what would be your end game? I recently sat down and listed 
what I make f coming in from podcasting and streaming and what I make coming in from books and what I spend on podcasting and streaming and what I spend on the author part of my career. And it's probably not going to be a shock to anybody that I'm spending a lot more on on podcasting and streaming. A lot more. And so, I for a lot, I mean, forever I had just merged the income streams and just... But I, recently I wanted to see, like, is this paying for itself? And it's definitely not. And so, yeah, I, I hate, even though we are on Ditch Diggers and I just said it a couple of minutes ago, I don't like to do the whole capitalist thing, but I would like this hobby to pay for itself. That'd be nice. That'd be a good start. Uh, Frig's Daughter, one sec, Frig's Daughter says, the way I view these reminders, whether it's like and subscribe on YouTube, etc., is a reminder. We, the listeners, always need them. Same with the five stars, yeah. etc. I'm thankful for the reminders. Thank you, Frig's Daughter. That's interesting. Uh, I would back that up completely. One of the first things I was told when I, I first started at Pseudopod, well, I think two or three weeks in, I got some feedback from Ben on my first couple of host spots. And he said, these are great. And please never forget to remind people that we're donation powered again, because on the weeks where you forget to remind people, we drop 50 bucks. Wow. And that's written on my soul. It's, you know, I, I have woken up in the middle of the night going, oh, Creative Commons attribution on Drew, it's license. Oh, God. <laughs> Sorry. Um, oh, my God. I still don't know if anybody understands what that means. I, I say it I all the just, time, too. I, I view it as an incantation to ward against evil. <laughs> <coughs> but I, okay, I do wonder whether, whether the solution to your, to your issue is actually encoded in what you just described, which is how much would it take? And I'm, I don't want, I'm not going to go, go do precise math now. This is, this is a, a hypothetical. Okay. How much, would it, how much would it take for the hobby to pay for itself? Right. I do have that number. Oh, cool. Well done. I mean, I, I've already been looking at my budget. And, you know, some things are, uh, there's a couple of things I pay for that benefit, especially in, like, marketing, that benefit both my writing and my podcasting that I kind of hold between them or push over to the writing because I know it can pay for it. But, uh, yeah, mostly I, I know I, I'm spending, I know what I'm spending on production and transcription and hosting and the Canva subscription and the vid Vidivo. I, I, I mix up Venmo and Vidivo all the time, the video one. Um, it, it will be yeah. Vidivo, yeah. Yeah, that's where that's where I got the sad lady. See, sad lady, sad crying Same white lady. Sad lady. Sad yes. lady's the best. Yes. See, the, re the real reason why I got sad lady, everybody, just a little tangent here, is the fact that I'm paying for this premium a subscription service monthly but I don't need it that often and I'm just like I want to get my money's worth so I just went wandering around and just looking for interesting uh interesting videos to use and I just saw the the the, the sad single tear lady and figured oh I need her I, I've got the yay button unfortunately I don't have it on this uh not this uh sources this overlay but on the other one, I've got a yay button where I push it and applause happens and confetti falls. And so I use that for good news. Mine or in the chat. I love that. So, uh, I have to love that. 
Okay, we got another opinion. Seat says, having someone tell me to go Raider-like is often about how, and there are some pretty tasteless ways to ask, too. Like five seconds into the video, and you don't know if you like it yet. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's where it feels slimy, yeah. Again, though, I kind of suspect that one of the, one of the solutions to your issues is, is presented there, which is when you put it in the right place. Um, I mean, the best example I can give you, I'm a huge food nerd. I, I love food YouTube. And one of my favorite food tubers uh, is a guy called Joshua Weissman. And Weissman always put, as the last thing, always puts the, if you made this or if you liked it, or if you learned something, please like, share, and subscribe, and I'll see you next time. And it's his sign-off. And it's his equivalent of creates for carbon's attribution on commercial and derivatives license. <clears throat> and it's like both a, it's the last thing the audience hears. It's like a tick that says the video's over and it's unobtrusive. And I, I think part of your solution is find a way to do it unobtrusively. Mm-hmm. Okay. By the way, still... folks, like, share, and subscribe. <laughs> Uh, Doofling says there's a difference between telling people if you'd like to support the program, there are some ways, and smash that like button as soon as this thing starts. I think lots of people want to support content that they like and might forget without reminders. Yeah. Yeah, I do have the Patreon reminder, but it's like people often say the. I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, I, I need to like figure out where the slimy feelings come from. Um, like, I, I took a marketing course and quit halfway through because it, it just really just felt awful to me. But I can see other people who've taken the course because I see them using his, what in my opinion, awful way of marketing your product. It's the kind of thing where it's like you got this big, long page and then you get, here's a, here's a paragraph about how awesome it is. And then you got a link to register now or sign up now and then there's another one another another paragraph how awesome it is and then another link to do it and it goes on and fucking on and at the bottom it's like oh also it's six hundred dollars and is i'm like this yeah. is this the trust me i'm lying dude i don't think so isn't that tucker Carlson? no not tucker carlson tucker max uh, the pickup artist, the negging dude. No, oh. there was there was a there was a marketing book which a couple of years ago which was called something like I trust you to lie to me. Oh. Okay, I don't remember the name. I don't I don't remember his name. Um, He's but, beneath yeah. me. He deserves not. <laughs> it's been a while. Not the place That's all. Well, you know. Jim was reminding me about a, well, a, a rather rude thing we called an Anne McCaffrey book back in the day of Red Storm Entertainment, and I forgot about it entirely. And he's like, how could you forget the horse fucking book? I'm like, it's, <laughs> it was 1999! I, I, and you know, I think I'm, I'm justified in pushing it out of my memory. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ansela. I will. Jim, it's always the ones you never see coming. I know. But, I mean, to, to, to circle back around to your issue, were it me, I'd, I'd approach it in three different ways. I would find the unobtrusive point, or the point where I felt comfortable asking for like, share, and subscribe, or donation, or whatever. 
I would set a finite goal. So, you know, it would be, I would really like this show to be able to pay for itself. In order for, to do that, I need about 500 bucks more a month. If you could help mm-hmm. out with that, here it is. Because that gives people a finite, achievable goal and a narrative. And the other thing is I would pay very close attention to my level of discomfort. Because this is something I learned a long time ago. Uh, and I, the way I was taught it was learn how British you're feeling and push <laughs> through it. Because I was one of the, the worst elements, and I bust on my home country an awful lot, because it's not quite my home country. I grew up on the Isle of Man, so I, I have a, a childhood of gazing across the water going, what are these crazy white people doing? Um, but the worst element of, of British culture, especially for freelancers and creatives, really sincerely is the recalcitrance, is the reluctance to talk about stuff. And that literally will cost you money. Uh, I mean, to, and I can give you a visceral, actual science example. I have not had time to set up social media tweets for the not for the first couple of weeks of this month yet. You were deathly ill. And when I do have time, one of the things I do is once a day, and it's always at a different hour. I will remind people if you like my stuff, my coffee's over here. On the weeks where I do that, I will bring in between 50 and 75 bucks worth of coffee donations. On the weeks where I don't do that, I will bring in three. Mm. And I always kind of tied that thought in my head to um, something Cameron talked about a couple of years ago, where she was involved in a Kickstarter and talked about it endlessly, she thought, to the point where she was bored and kind of embarrassed yeah. and ashamed that she was talking about it so much. Yes. And then it finished, and literally the day after it finished, a family member went, oh, shit, were you running a Kickstarter? I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the hardest things to learn with, with regards to the internet is you can never tell when other people are on it. Yeah. So if you, if you find yourself going, oh, I've mentioned this three times a day, if those three times are six hours apart, that could be three different days. Yeah. Depending on where people are in the world and three different audiences with eyes on it. So if the, 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 the metric, to boil it down, the metric I always try and struggle for is, do I feel just a little bit uncomfortable with the amount of, of promotion I'm doing? Yes. That is probably the exact amount of promotion I should be doing. All right. Uh, we need to go to the chat because uh, Ansel has spent uh, – channel points to get me to hydrate, and then Sario spent channel points to highlight my message and get you to hydrate. So, uh, oh, nice. Jack's telling you to get a drink. Um, and Will has some awesome comments here. Uh, don't be someone else's purse conscience. A lot of times we think of what we would spend money on and project it onto others. From my experience, yep, exactly. Uh, Will does amazing hair and makeup. You really should check out his Instagram. Will, I think I think you're cleared to put a link in if you want to put a link into your Instagram because you just do amazing work. But it says, uh, my haircuts are 225 and a lot of times I wouldn't push myself to try and tell people because I was thinking, would they spend the money? I changed my thoughts and started booking a ton more people, not being their purse conscience. So thank you. That's it's- That's... Pretty awesome, Will, and I'm glad you were doing that. That's a really smart way of looking at it. Which is why I just go back to maybe I just feel like I I I hang on. Okay. It's like it's possible instead of feeling 
I'm... Ah, oh, fuck, I lost it. I'm trying to say if, if... It's possible I could be feeling that I want to level up and move from Scrappy, but it's also possible that I'm feeling like I don't deserve to move above Scrappy because I'm not a real grown-up. I'm not a real, like, corporate podcaster or whatever. And I'm just trying to figure this out. Is it, am I Scrappy and want to level up, or am I, do I feel like I'm not even good enough to level up? Had you considered the possibility it might be both? No, because they're opposites, aren't they? No. Oh. Or even if they are, we are such fundamentally self-contradictory beings that it's entirely possible we could hold two equally self-destructive, equally nonsensical ideas in our heads at the same time. Because we're gifted that way, because we're <laughs> writers. Hey. <clears throat> um, I think you absolutely deserve to level up. I think everyone deserves to level up. Uh, I also think that we expect instant gratification for a lot of things. And a, a lot of the time what we have to get used to is the fact that slow incremental improvement can become relentless over time. Mm -hmm. And I mean, yeah, I have four Hugo nominations this year. I've lost count of the amount of years I had. I would look at it and go, maybe this time. And it wasn't. And then suddenly it was. You yourself have talked about how, you know, you, you were an overnight success that took a mere 15 years for people to notice that you existed. Yeah. Yeah. And it's... I, I don't have any of the answers, but I wonder if some of them lie in learning how to deal with the passage of time and learning how to deal with building your excellence into your consistency. Building your excellence into your consistency. That sounds like the, the title of a book, Al. I think I borrowed it from something. <laughs> I, I, I think I borrowed it from... There was an incredible Netflix documentary series about an HP... I forget which one it was. About an HBCU college band. And how relentlessly these folks drill. Mm -hmm. Oh, and, yeah. You know, they, are the, they are the Navy SEALs of college bands. And one of the, the coaches had this line about our excellence is in our consistency. It's not that we're the best because we're exceptional. We're the best because we never stop. Yeah. And there are two ways of being of, of, of the never stop thing. And the first is the, you know, UFC, I own every affliction t-shirt. Thing. And that's just a way to pop a vein. The the way that works, I find, is Work out the three things you can do every single day to push towards this goal and do them. And then maybe in six weeks go, so where am I based on six weeks back? Mm -hmm. And if you make progress, great. If you haven't made progress, recalibrate and move on. But, yeah, I think slow, slow persistent relentlessness is the way of the future. Yeah. Um, I want to go back to the chat because we are recording this for Ditch Diggers in the feed and there's so much good stuff going on in the chat. I want them to be able to hear that too. Um, uh, Seat says, Patreon I think is a good model for benefits. It can offer like the Discord access, keeps the content free, but paying for an additional inclusive service. Yes, that's what I try to do. Uh, Val says, coffee seems to be good for getting random tips instead of promising specific mm -hmm. routine content like Patreon. <coughs> 
just because you're saying it doesn't mean others are seeing it back to your, your yep. constant, uh, you feel like you're constantly promoting. Um, let's see. Uh, line my sense. I used to say, fake it till you make it when walking outside by myself, chin up, shoulders back, look straight. I use this saying for other parts of life too. That's, uh, that's really good. And reminds me of what my judo instructor told me, which was, you're a big lad, so you'll get tired really quick. Fuck him up before he fucks you up. That was literally <laughs> the first thing he said. And, uh, let's see. Underpope's got some painful truths here. A friend of mine says you can't be a self-aggrandizing, awesome writer without also feeling a constant sense of self-loathing. Yeah, that, there's truth there. And uh, if you're listening to this later, uh, you can check out Will's uh, hair and makeup artistry at Will's Art Rules. That's W-I-L-S Art Rules on Instagram. And uh, I'm going to put a shout out to Val in the chat as well, because uh, she's playing Dragon Age Inquisition tonight. Nice. Uh, um... Uh... Nope, can't do that. Uh, try that now. There we go. Um, so yeah, I, I just, I feel like it's a, we, we, we got to talk about the dancing thing because we were talking about this before we recorded and we haven't said anything about mm -hmm. jam yet. But um, <laughs> the, the fact that we, Sometimes it feels like, you know, when, when other people do it, it works. And when you do it, you look like a moron. Like dancing. I don't dance. I don't dance because I know I look like a moron. And then everyone says, no one's going to laugh at you. Everyone dances their own way. Except for the time that someone convinced me to go out on the dance floor and then made fun of me because my dancing was so stupid. And I'm like, thanks for proving every fear I've ever had. Between him and the uh, oral surgeon who told me that all my fears about getting my wisdom teeth taken out were entirely justified, I just, people are just not around to give me a hug these days. But um, it's, it, it does, it does sometimes feel like when I'm watching other people do it and they're smooth and they're, they're polished and I just feel like I'm not. <laughs> That's the, the, yeah. the awkwardness. Yeah, it's that. That's one of the bits of it that really sucks. Um, and it's, I, I think it's something we all struggle with in different ways. Uh, I mean, you, you may not be able to tell this from Jeremy's remarkably dashing headshot of me, but I am six two and currently north of about four hundred pounds, which is about one hundred and fifty pounds heavier than I should be. Thanks, pandemic and total removal of all abilities to exercise. Two yeah. thumbs, way high, and that my confidence has always been tied into my physical identity, which sucks because a lot of the time I really don't like my physical identity at all. Uh, I am a brain in a meat suit. And when I, I, I spent a reasonable amount of time studying as many martial arts as I could cram into my brain in a year because I wanted to get over that. It's why I like judo, right? But don't put someone stepped on my knee. Um, oh. I... I call it fat kid of the disco syndrome. I'm always acutely aware of how much room I take up. And the thing which I struggle with is threading the needle between taking up the amount of room I deserve to take up 
and being overbearing. And I mean, there's all kinds of other stuff which is folded into that, especially in f physical proximity to other people, where, you know, I'm, I'm acutely aware of the fact that I'm a big guy, therefore I'm going to ping as a threat, as a threat for a lot of folks. I'm not a threat to anybody, but I can't control their perception of that very much. What I can control is how I view myself, and what I can control is how I act. And that's really where the thing of, you know, I, I don't want to dance because I, look, I, I look, look like an asshole comes from. That's not what and you said. Don't... So what? That's not what you said. You don't want to dance because of... Oh, because I, look, because I look like a sack of jam. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I wrote that down. I said we had to get back to the bag <laughs> of jam. We had to. Um... Not that I agree. <clears throat> I'm just saying I love that phrase. So, thank you. Um, and I mean, there's there's kind of two ways out out of the out of that situation, and and both of them are hard. Both of them are worthwhile. And the first is just you know, fuck them, fuck them, and do whatever the hell you want to do. Um, the other one is work out what you can do that they can't. Ooh. Because you, you have a route to where you need to be. I, I firmly believe everyone has a route to where they need to be. And it's just, it's coded into your skills. It, this goes back to what we were talking about earlier. For a decade, I didn't write fiction because I had no idea who I was writing it for, for all sorts mm -hmm. of complex reasons. So I did nonfiction instead. Nonfiction is where I dance. Um, you, we we, we rewatched the Joe Carnahan 18 movie a couple of weeks ago, and there's there's a single transcendentally brilliant line in there, which is, give me a minute, I'm good. Give me an hour, I'm great. Give me six weeks, I'm unstoppable. And I'm absolutely like that with nonfiction. You give me enough period, enough time, and you will get something which is at its very, very basic level, very good. And the more time you give me, the better it will be. And that's, mm -hmm. if I was the GIO, my primary military speciality would be, I would good when it comes to nonfiction. My second would probably be cooking. And that's where you have to go. You have to find the stuff that only you can do. And you have to talk about and promote that because that's your key to the show. That's how you dance. That's how people don't see the fat kid at the disco. They see the guy who can tell you the oral history of the original Brendan Fraser mummy movie or whatever else. <clears throat> and that's where success starts. And I mean, I, I'm in severe danger of going really Tony Robinson here and Tony Robbins here and just like, you have to love yourself before you can build things. But you kind of have to. That's okay. Just as long as you'll let, uh, you know, hurricane survivors into your church, you'll be better than him. So. Oh, God. Yeah, I, I yeah. absolutely would. Okay. Um, that was that guy, right? Correct I'm me if I'm wrong in the chat. I know some people here live, <clears throat> live in Texas and would have known that. Houston, it was, I think it was a Houston story. Anyway, um, it's harder to do with a two-person stream, but I do want to re uh, welcome uh, Meerkat to the chat. Uh, welcome. Hope you enjoy it here. i uh, just like to welcome and say hi to everybody. Austin, thank you, Todd, and good to see you. Joel Austin, I got it totally wrong. Tony, I apologize, Tony Robbins. <laughs> You're apparently not the jackass. It was Joel Austin. Thank you, guys. Um, so, yeah, it's it's... This is really funny because, actually, we've got to do it soon. Uh, the I should I, I'm thinking about doing some I should be writings from the point of view as a LARP because half the things I realize I've got a really complex relationship with uh, confidence that just like Frigg's daughter had said, 
um, you know, if you fake it, then everyone's going to think you're confident. And so if you do it already, doesn't that mean you're confident? I mean, I guess that doesn't mean how you feel, but the end result is the same as if you were confident. So it's one of those weird philosophical things where if you imagine it, then it's true. Um, but I've been thinking about in the sense of role-playing that kind of confidence, I've been trying to figure out how I can turn I Should Be Writing into looking at your writing career from the point of view of a, of a LARP. Funny you should mention that. A friend of mine once successfully got a job by generating a character sheet of his confident self and role-playing that version of him. In his <laughs> That's awesome! Isn't wow! It? That is great. Uh, Minister Faust's first book, uh, The Coyote Kings of the Space Age Bachelor Pad, uh, had every character, every time a character ha was introduced, you got their character sheet. And it, it's not, I mean, it's a story about nerds. It's not a fantasy story. But they, they rolled up, he rolled up character sheets for everybody on, like, I can't remember, skateboarding and, 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 Convincing people stuff and all that. Role players are often the best people, says Sario. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Seat says, My mom sent me one of his books when she first found out I was depressed. Not helpful, don't like. My mother um, gave me Dr. Phil's new book, and I this was before I'd ever heard of him, and I opened it up and I read the introduction and it's all my good friend oprah said this and then oprah came to me to ask some questions and then oprah said and i'm just like dude you i mean my feet hurt for the number of times you've dropped oprah's name on them and i just thought he was Ugh. a big sleazy thing and that was that was the slime that's that's the that's the kind of polished slime that i worry about emulating if i got more confident with marketing but i don't even think i could ever do that but, uh, yeah, I, I didn't even know he was, like, he'd been on the Oprah show or something. He just, but did, 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 it did not stand well on its own if you didn't know who the guy was anyway. I totally get that. Yes, role-playing as your confident self is a great idea, and Minister Faust is awesome. Isn't he under Pope? I love that guy. He writes amazing books. Um... So we have been talking for a long time, Alistair. Is there anything else you wanted to touch on with the regards to bags of jam, slimy slug marketing, <laughs> or uh, where where your next, whatever you feel comfortable talking about regarding your next step in um, your fiction uh, seeking career, seeking fiction career thing? Yeah, yeah, R really. Like this, this has really helped me clarify how to basically how to approach agents and how to approach uh, the, the, the fiction side of things because I, like I say I'm doing a lot of complex math at the moment I'm juggling how to look after myself better and I'm juggling how to do the career stuff better and this has really helped me lay things out quite nicely I think the next stage with fiction is um, reach out to agents and also keep working on the book mm -hmm. uh, I also have a novella pitch in with another publisher Ooh. which is either going to be very very good at which point I have a full year or is going to teach me how to not do novella pitches. Um, yeah, this has been really useful. I feel like I have a compass bearing. Oh, good. Thanks, I bro. helped. You did. Oh, neat. Well, awesome. Does anybody in the chat have any questions uh, for Alistair or me? Uh, by the way, Alistair is going to be a 
frequent not Matt. Um, I believe once a month he's going to be not Matt for us here on Tuesdays at 1. So just yep. keep, uh, keep track of my streams. Um, as I've said before, the wonderful people helping me co-host Ditch Diggers are all available at different times. And so I've kind of kept it to three days and the same time on those three days. But if it's Alistair, it's Tuesday. If it's Cameron, it's Thursday. And most everybody else is Wednesday. So um, it, it, It's also just occurred to me, I actually still have both a I am not Matt Wallace and an I am not Cameron Hurley t-shirt. Oh, both wow. Both are now equally valid. Yes. So I should yes. wear one of those the next time I, I show up. <laughs> It's as long as I can get you to do the video. Damn it. It'll, we'll figure it it'll out. It'll be fine. We'll, we'll do science. It'll be right. Okay. Well, anyway, what I, I, I got off on it, my own tangent there, but uh, if you if you think of a question for Alistair or Alistair and me together, uh, just email mightymerchgmail.com and we'll approach it next time Alistair comes to join us. Blame Microsoft. I, I am. Well, I always. think... I think I might know what's on, what's wrong, and it is blamable for Microsoft. But um, the the awkwardy end of the show is, uh, Alistair, will you tell us where to find you? I put it in the chat at some point, but that doesn't help the people at home. <coughs> yes, of course. You can find me on Twitter, at Alistair Stewart, which is just an at sign in front of my name, how it's spelt next to the words not Matt on your screen right now. Uh, I'm also, um, my website is alistairstewart.com. Um, and you can also find me on Twitch twice a week over at um, I'm EA Podcasts. My own channels. Thank you. Mm -hmm. over, at EA, over at EA Podcasts. On Wednesday nights, we're doing uh, fiction. We're actually just, we're starting Nine Goblins by T. Kingfisher this week. Oh, awesome. And on, uh, and on Sunday mornings, we do a low-key a kind of coffee and chat and video game stream which at the moment is Marguerite playing a very good European video game called The Council, which um, has the last couple of sessions have involved demons, arm removal, and surprising amounts of architecture. It's a good time. You should come along. Okay. Um, unfortunately, that is in the mornings your time, so the only time I would ever be able to join you would be like if I had bad insomnia, and then I'd be cranky, so that'd be bad. But if you, if your time zone matches more to uh, Alistair's, then you should definitely check it out. But the evening, which is evening for you guys, an early evening for the East Coast, at least, uh, stream is also quite good. So Thank definitely well, check um, him out. We uh, request in, in the chat to spell my name out. Of course, Sario. It is A-L-A-S as in sugar, D as in David, A-I-R-S-T-U-A-R-T. Yes, it will be in the show notes. Um, and always good to spell it. I didn't realize how many people were happy that I was spelling Daikaiju when I do host spots for uh, for Escape Pot. That's another one of those Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives thing going on in the head. Anyway, what Alice was talking about is the, the uh, Creative Commons license that we say at the end of every Escape Artist episode, and so it's kind of burned into our brains. Um so, I, I always mentally add old school Chaz and Dave style company piano to it as well. So, you know, it's, <laughs> Creative Commons Attribution, non-derivative license, da 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 da, da. hey! Yeah. <laughs> uh, but if you want to find out more about me and my books and my streams and my podcasts, that's murverse.com, M-U-R-V-E-R-S-E. -E. And uh, I can be found on Twitch 
right now four days a week, Monday through Thursday at different times, um, twitch.tv slash mightymer. And here is where the actual following helps you, because if you just follow my stream, then you'll get an, a notification when I go live. So in theory, you can uh, catch me if it's if Twitch tells you. Sometimes they don't. It's weird. But... Um, Alistair, thank you so much for being not Matt, and I really hope we can get the uh, the 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 video working next time. <coughs> thank you so much for having me on. This has been great. And thank you, everybody in chat. Um, hope you guys are doing well. I'm going to be back in half an hour with the live I should be writing. So uh, go get some water and stretch, and come back if you can. Uh, I'm so glad you enjoyed it, Meerkat. Uh, hope you come back sometime, and uh, we'll talk to you, folks later see you later you can support us at patreon.com slash mighty ditch diggers theme song by devo spice devospice.com